Welcome to Hair Blazers, the podcast where we empower you to disrupt the beauty industry, starting with your chair and your salon. You can focus on running your business and tune in here to find out how to keep it moving forward. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation today with business owner Katie Whitledge. We talked about how you can build your best salon team ever this year. We talked about how you can do that through being proactive, creating engagement on your website, and how more isn't always necessarily better. My name's Naomi. I'm the marketing manager for the Aveda Institute Winnipeg and for the Verde Salon Group. And today we have a very special guest. Her name is Katie Whitledge. She's the CEO of Maya. She's also the founder of the Beyond the Technique podcast, Be Inspired Salon, and Pure Nails. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me, Naomi. It is so fun to do this again together. I know. Thank you so much for being here. So those of you who don't know, um, our team at Verde Salon, me, myself, Roberto, and Colleen, were actually on Katie's podcast, Beyond the Technique. I think that episode came out in the fall, like around October. So I'll definitely make sure we we link that as well so you can listen to that conversation too. Um, so Katie has a lot of really... Um, interesting different ways that she's involved in the beauty industry. Obviously you have, you know, the owning a salon, owning a spa, um, that side of things. You have the owner side, but you also have the podcast, like those kind of like B2B conversations and Maya, which is a proprietary matchmaking software used internationally by salons, spas, and barbershops. So you kind of have um, your eye on a lot of different things in the industry, which I think is really cool. And today we're going to be discussing how salon owners can build their best team this year from today to a year from now, which would be, you know, sometime in 2024. So I think this is a really important conversation to have because in all of the interviews we've been doing with salon owners, it always recruiting is something that always comes up no matter what somebody brings it up, we talk about it because, and especially when we're asking salon owners about their challenges, recruitment is like one of the number one things that's mentioned. Yeah, it is. And I think it's it's always going to be because we have kind of a life cycle in the U.S. It's about five years. We definitely want to see that increase for the sustainability of our industry. But If that is the true life cycle of a hairstylist, then that means that we need to be consistently getting in front of our our target, perfect, you know, potential team members. Um, And so I'm excited to talk about this today. And even for everybody listening, I will share the link for you to download my free ebook on this actual topic. It's called Build Your Best Team This Year. And I wrote this uh, in 2019, when I was asked to present at Serious Business, which is an event for North America salons to really work on growing themselves, their brands. And it's just a passion project of mine to support our industry and in helping them grow their team. So when we think about building your best team this year, I had a really fun conversation with a salon owner who has multiple locations in Sarasota, Florida. And he said, you know what, Katie, we have less uh, team members than we've ever had in our history. However, our revenue is greater than it's ever been. And I think it's a testament to thinking about things a little differently in that we don't have to have the biggest team to be the sexiest brand, um, but we have to have big purposes, attractive 
uh, missions that people can be a part of and that building your best team doesn't have to equate to building the largest team. And so that is something I'm excited to share. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really the whole ecosystem has to work together. You know, like you mentioned, you know, five years is kind of an average lifespan of a stylist in the industry. But I feel like that average is definitely skewed because, you know, you have the people who are in the industry for one year realize that it's maybe a little bit more work than they expected. Um, or they, you know, started a salon that doesn't really align with their values and things don't go so well there for them. Um, and then we have a lot of people who kind of drop out of that the industry in the first year. And then you also, obviously there's people kind of between these two extremes, but you also have people who are in in the industry for, you know, 20, 30 years and they love it. They love what they do every day. So it's something that is absolutely always important. Like you're always going to need to have a focus on where to take your team next because you never want to be in that situation where one of your top earners leaves and then you're just like left in the dust. You know, I think that's every every salon owner's like worst nightmare is having that happening. So it's it's really important to always have your eye on the ball and be proactive and be looking ahead to what your business is going to need in three months and six months and a year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think one of the basic things that we forget to do, and it may seem obvious, is setting a target goal. And so how many new team members do you hope to add to your team this year? If we don't have a target in front of us, we'll never hit a target. So if you say, okay, we want to add four new hairstylists this year, amazing. Actually create something tangible in front of you, whether it's literally a piece of paper on a, a vision board and you fill in every time that you have somebody new that joins. I mean, having that goal present is kind of a foundation and knowing kind of the why behind, you know, so the broader vision, for example, of our hair salon is multi-location. And so if we're really going to have more than one location, what is the max capacity for this location before, you know, and it used to be like, oh, you don't want to have more than one location until you've maxed out all the hours possible. You know, right now you're open five days. You could be open six. You could be open seven. You could be open till 9 p.m. You could be open at 8 a.m. It's like we've recreated some new healthy boundaries for our team where we're never going to be open past 7 p.m. We're not going to be open on Mondays. We're going to keep that reserved as an education day, a day for recovery, a time you know that we're not open Sundays. So there's possibly two days in a row for people. Plus, if they're a four-day work week, they have a third day off somewhere in their week. You know, those are new kind of things for our brand that we don't want to move. So there's, there's new possibilities. If, if these are the new boundaries for our salon, then at this point we've hit our capacity and we can start looking at a second location. And to me, it's also a revenue goal. I know that when we reach this revenue goal and I'm profiting, you know, my 15% that I'd like to take away. And for most people listening, I hope that's between 10 and 20% that you're setting that goal for yourself. But when you hit that mark and you know what that pay structure looks like across the board, then now it's time you can recreate that in a second location. So just having a goal set is so important. I remember going through what you what you just spoke about where my very top person left. They went into their own booth rental and I was, it, of course, they say, don't take anything personally. If you've ever 
read the book called The Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements is don't take it personal, yet we're in the relationship business. And that is so, so hard. But I'll never forget Candy Shaw, who is the Bali Lama. She created her own Sunlight Balayage brand. She's incredible. Uh, she's out of Atlanta, Georgia. And she said, Katie, I promise you that when your top person leaves, you will have a new person that comes in and rises to the top and they'll be greater than your previous top person. It'll be wonderful. And she was right. And so for anybody listening who's gone through that or you're worried if that's going to happen, I just want to try to encourage you to just persevere. It will be okay. And if somebody does move on, as hard as it is, try not to take that personally and look at it as a greater opportunity to evolve your culture and bring in new fresh talent who are going to exceed your expectations and what could be possible within your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That growth is, is always possible. So I want to talk a little bit about the state of the industry right now, because obviously, you know, in 2021, 2022, coming out of COVID, a lot of salons had stylists leave the industry and then they were kind of scrambling to, to fill the gaps. So I think we're definitely, um, well, I would say most salons are kind of past that period of having to like scrambling to, to fill those empty chairs um, and have somebody behind the chair. Uh, but, you know, as a business owner and as somebody who works with businesses, what do you see as kind of the state of recruitment in 2023 right now? Well, I think that the people who are wanting to get after it and recruit are going to be the same people like out there doing the things they need to do. They're mm -hmm. engaging with the Aveda Institutes like you're a part of. They are other beauty institutes. They are involved. They've built those relationships. They're nurturing those relationships and meeting the students on a quarterly or biannual basis. They are creating a website landing page so that when they are posting on social media or doing uh, any social media advertising that people are, you know, candidates are dropping on that landing page, they're learning about their brand, the benefits of joining, what the team is like, and there's an opportunity for people to apply through your website. I think that's such a missing link for so many people is they have kind of a join our team. And that is not a true setup recruiting page where you could be obtaining um, candidates. And I think, you know, for every kind of my experience is for every five candidates that we've interviewed, we'll hire one. And so I feel really good about being in a position that we aren't just accepting anybody. And I don't think you should ever put yourself in that position, even if you feel like Things are kind of dire right now. I really need people. Don't settle. And even your great team members don't want you to settle. They'd rather take on a little more for a temporary period to keep the culture incredible than bring somebody on that can really disrupt and potentially be kind of a poisonous addition. So take your time. I'm saying be quick to hire the right people. But also the state of the industry is also be quick to fire. Fire sounds so harsh, but you either have the right person for the wrong position or the wrong person for the right position. And if you don't either reposition that person or get them out, you're doing yourself a disfavor, your team a disfavor, and honestly, that candidate too, because they could be out getting into a better you know, environment that's better suited for them 
So that's my encouragement for people listening. In addition to everything we've already spoken about is the state of the industry is get after it and never stop. This should just be, you should be as tenacious about recruiting as you are about growing your client count every month. You wouldn't just stop those behaviors and say, oh, we have enough clients. I mean, we're never stopping the things uh, to create an amazing website, to be more compelling than our competition. When new clients go to search out, who should I do business with? We aren't stopping those initiatives, so we should never really be stopping the initiatives to bringing in those candidates because you ultimately want to be in that position where you get to pick and choose who is the best person, not, not, oh, you're good, but you are the best person to join our team. Absolutely. And I think when you're hiring, especially when you're in that state of like, I just, I need bodies in the space, you know, I just want somebody, your A players are not going to want to work with your C players. If you hire somebody who's a C player, that is not going to go well with the rest of your team. And sometimes it even can drag the rest of your team down, which is the opposite of what you want when you bring a new person in. And hiring someone new is always such an investment, regardless of whether, you know, they're senior or they're fresh out of school. It's always an investment to hire someone, to train someone, to, you know, build those relationships and have them be a part of the team. And it's totally critical to try and weed out the C players during the interviews and just not hire those people to begin with. But if you do hire somebody who seems really great and then, you know, you're a few weeks in and you realize like this is not working and, you know, the the conversations have been had and the adjustments, you've attempted to make the adjustments and it's just has not been clicking, you have to let that person go. Because I agree, you're doing them a disservice as well by by trying to like stick them there and keep them around and something that's not really working for either of you. And I think uh, what you said about the website as well is super important because if you do not have some way to capture information on your website, and it can even be like a form, like a contact info form, just like get in touch, learn a little bit more, you know, maybe even come in for an interview if we like you, even just like name and a phone number so you can call that person is so, so key because just posting on social, you know, like we're hiring, join our team. That's really not enough, especially if you're trying to attract talent in an area where there are a lot of other salons and the other salons are out there doing the work, going to schools, putting the time in, um, and really getting clear on their values. It just, it's not going to be able to compete. You also have Maya as part of something that you do, which is something that's used by, you know, salons, spas, barbershops, lots of different kind of businesses in the beauty industry. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How can Maya help salons that are trying to recruit um, more stylists and more business? Well, what potential hairstylist that's coming on board with their first salon, they don't have a clientele, wouldn't love to be empowered in a way where you say as an owner of the salon, hey, I'm going to help you build your perfect clientele. I am going to work hard to put new clients in your chair that are truly a great fit for you. And the way I empower you to do this is you actually get to decide who do you do your best work with? Not just the services you provide, though that's a part of it, but it's deeper than that. It's to the heart of why people connect with people the way they do. So Maya is based on neuromarketing which is just a really fancy term that encompasses brain science, behavioral economics, and social psychology. 
So when we spoke a moment ago about your website, being able to capture the information of prospective candidates, imagine your website actually capturing the information of website visitors. I mean, how much traffic is your website, you know, getting every month? So if you look at your Google analytics and you say, okay, I'm getting 5,000 website visitors to my salon website every single month. I would then say, how many of those are becoming new clients of yours? If you don't know, you know, check your bounce rate. You want to make sure that that's under 80%. So if I'm coming to your website because I did my natural behavior, now think about the consumer. Your natural behavior is to search on social media or to go on Google, which is still the king of search platforms. And I'm searching for the salons near me. I'm seeing a list of salons and and for all intents and purposes, they're pretty similar and they are. Whenever I search areas for different markets, you're going to have a 4.8 star Google, a 4.4, 4.6, you know, so they're all pretty comparable. When I click through to check out the website, the consumer is going to ask themselves, okay, does this brand kind of reflect my own personal self-identified brand? And if the answer is yes, the second question they're always going to ask is, okay, well, then who do I book with? And typically, if we go check out like your team page or your artist page, I'm picking based solely on aesthetics, which is not great. If it were great, our retention rates for new clients would be much higher than 30% industry-wide, but that's not the case. So how do we get to the heart of who people are? There's really three things that every website needs to have. And I see incredible brands, multi-location brands that still don't get this right. Number one is engagement. What is that sticky engaging thing on your website that is going to capture the attention of your website visitors. Well, Maya is a matchmaking survey. This is all about the client themselves. And of course, I'm excited to do that. I I want to see who I'm matched with here. Who should I book with? And so I'm going to take the survey. The engagement is massive. Number two is connection. What is the way in a relationship industry where we are human to human with people? So unique. What is the way we bring a human connection to a digital experience? And again, Maya does that because we are connecting, we're we're creating that emotional bridge between the consumer and, you know, the stylist they're matched with. And and the third thing is capturing. So Amy Porterfield is the author of Two Week Notice, this book that is international bestselling. And she wrote this book about like giving your two week notice and finally going off and doing, you know, the big thing that you've been dreaming. Of course, we don't want to encourage people to do that with our own companies. But what she said was so so incredible. She goes, I am on social media and I have quite the platform, but at any given moment, this platform could go down. Something could happen and I will lose all of my audience because I'm not, I don't own that space. I rent that space. But when I'm gathering the emails and the contact information from my prospects, I could send an offer out tonight, she said this, and go to bed and make thousands of dollars in my sleep. That I own. And so it's so important as owners to have a way to capture the information of your website visitors. Of course, Maya has that as well. So it is this all-encompassing marketing tool that not only brings it, increases your client count, it's going to increase the spend of your clients because they've already gone through the no like, and trust part of the buying process. So when they come in, they're literally primed to buy more when they're there, which is exciting. 
and they already trust the stylist they're with. It alleviates the anxiety for a stylist when they know they're matched with somebody. No longer they have to prove that this person in their chair should listen to them or trust their advice. This alleviates all that anxiety and the fear for the first visit for both parties. So it's a very empowering tool. And we have many Canadian salons. We have Supernova Salon, Guide Hair Salon, and Brush Salon as a few examples of some of our Canadian Maya members. Um, And I can't say enough good about it. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if I look at our website analytics, and I think this is probably the case for the majority of salons, after our homepage, that team page is like highest level of traffic because people want people want somebody that's going to be a good fit with them. You know, whether that's like the services they're looking for, whether that's personality wise, whether that's, you know, maybe they share a hobby that they can connect on. It's like that human connection piece is and the relationship between a stylist and a guest really is like 90% of what's there, you know, having great hair, doing great hair, that's the 10% on top. Because if that relationship is there, and we've said this before many times on this podcast, but if that relationship is there, if you have an off day, if the color turn doesn't turn out exactly the way you wanted to, if something doesn't, doesn't exactly go to plan, that person is going to be so much more forgiving. And it's also just going to be easier to have the conversation of like, look, this didn't turn out exactly the way I'd expected or intended. So let's come back in, we'll touch it up and we'll be good to go. So it's just so much easier and guests are way more likely to give you the opportunity to make it right versus just be like, no, this is terrible. I'm never coming back because it's not exactly what I was expecting. Absolutely. We kind of a saying like, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So it's pivotal for us to really connect our stylist with their perfect clientele the first time and get that pairing perfected the first time because the natural behavior of a consumer is they won't come back to your salon again because our biggest fear oftentimes is rejection. So they don't want to have to run into somebody that it feels awkward. It's a pain point. I'd rather avoid that pain of seeing that person that saw, you know, I saw the last time I was in altogether. And it's really, that is most painful for owners who are investing in their website, investing in their social media. We pay for incredible social media campaigns. We pay for the people who run our social media. We pay for our website creators and designers. So we really want to make sure that we get that right the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's just bring it back to building your best team this year. You know, we talked about getting out into the schools. We talked about optimizing your website, making sure you're actually capturing um, that information. We talked about, uh, you know, Hamaya can be a great example of a tool that you can you can use to promote everything you're doing to help the stylists that you do bring on um, and help fill their chairs. What else can salon owners do um, proactively to help you know, by this time next year, have their best team ever. Uh, I once gave a a talk at the University of Wisconsin, and it was a talk called What Not to Do as an Entrepreneur. And one of my learning lessons when I was first developing Maya was um, hiring this friend of a friend who happened to do development. And I call it my big $30,000 mistake, which in the world of tech is pretty cheap, actually. But in the moment when I was just starting out and using my own cash, it was very painful. And I kind of said, Hey, you get what you pay for. 
And I would say the same rule applies when you are building your best team, you'll get what you're willing to pay for. And so I would encourage everybody to go higher than your next competitor. And we include Ulta, Sephora, any major brand that could be a competition source for retail. When we're hiring guest service team members, management, leadership, uh, practitioners, technicians, hairstyles, any of the above, what was everybody doing in my particular market and how can I exceed that? And this is where great marketing comes into play because you think about, well, how am I going to be able to afford that, Katie? And the answer is great marketing solves most problems. In other words, if you're consistently growing your client count, you can increase your pricing on a regular basis and not feel the pain. In fact, if people say, how do I afford it? I would say, raise your prices. And how do you, you know, you can do it in a strategic way on an ongoing basis throughout the year. That's not going to be overly painful for the loyal clients you love the most, but it still opens you up to bringing in new business and having that cover your costs. So elevate what you're willing to pay people. Also your vetting process. You need to be quick. If we have somebody come through indeed, we always have indeed running for positions, even if they're not open and we set indeed up to where we don't pay for anything unless we continue with the candidate. You get, I think it's like 72 hours to decide if this person is somebody you want to move forward with in your interviewing process, then you get charged for that person. Otherwise you don't. And what's cool is it 72 hours. It gives you three days to figure out, can I get this person on the phone? Can I conduct a phone interview? You could even, some of you want to maybe do FaceTime or something through social media, of course, you know, however you want to communicate, but get connected with them and discover quickly. And this will be part of the book that I share. What are the questions to ask and how do you identify? Are they a good fit? Do they seem like a good culture fit? Um, what's their past been like? Because the kind of saying goes, you're like your past predicts your future. So if you can quickly identify if that person is, you know, worth moving on to the next part of the interviewing process, you don't get charged for that lead per se through platforms like Indeed. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to be the first to connect with them. So be very aggressive and quick. You got to be on top of those notifications. And I know notoriously owners are sometimes not good about checking their emails. This is one area that you do not want to falter when you're connecting with clients, team members, or candidates. I would say those are your three main people to pay attention to. Um, and then you want to go through a really strategic interviewing process, bring other leaders in, are they, and then I always set up a shadow visit. So not only are we having like a sit down conversation, I list questions to ask that really help you get to the heart of who people are. Um, but I also give them opportunity, even if they're guest services, I say, Hey, I want you to stay after our interview and you can stay for 30 minutes. You can stay for three hours. It's totally voluntary but it's up to you how much time you want to you spend. But I think it's important for you to be in our environment and have them feel out, is this as good a fit for them as, as we think it could be? Um, but it also gives other team members an opportunity to kind of feel them out and give their feedback. It's interesting when somebody looks amazing on paper, but then you have them in your environment and they seem disconnected, uninterested, and you're kind of disappointed. Like, and then you have somebody who may not look as good on paper, but they come in and they're asking questions and they're eager, they're thirsty, they're, they're amazed. They, they see the value of what you're doing. They feel so thankful to have this opportunity and mindset is so huge. So 
I always encourage that part of the process is be quick, <laughs> vet as quickly as possible. Always do it a phone interview if you can. And then when you have somebody in for an in-person, piggyback that with a shadow experience. So you really get an idea of the way they'll interact. Absolutely. One thing that we always say is hire fast, fire fast. You know, it's like you have to be able to move through the process quickly. And ideally through the process, you know, you weed out anybody who wouldn't be a good fit. But if you do bring somebody on and it turns out not to be a good fit, you have to be able to let that go and not let it drag on and on and on and potentially drag down the rest of your team like we already talked about. So one thing that you mentioned earlier on that I think is really interesting is that your best team doesn't necessarily mean the largest possible amount of people. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, if you've ever heard the saying, and this is kind of a sports thing, if anybody listening were, were a part of team sports, they kind of say, hey, you're only as good as your worst player. So um, it was a very humbling experience. I was asked to play softball in a co-ed league. And I haven't played in like 10 years because I've had babies and businesses in between this time. And so I show up and they put me at the bottom of the roster for batting, which means you're, you're probably the worst <laughs> and in, in, you know, slow pitch softball, co-ed adult softball being the catcher is also, so I was the catcher, which meant I was probably not the greatest. And I was the last to bat because they don't want you up to bat as often. And it, it was very, very, very humbling. Uh, I could get into the story of it, but I did get on base once and I hit all three times I was up. So I was very proud of myself for kind of ripping the bandaid off and having the courage to get back at something again. Okay. But when you look at your own team, that is so true as well. You are as best as your worst team member. And I'll tell you a story. I had a stylist and I won't name names who had been with me for years and years. I mean, incredibly loyal. But we saw a shift in this particular person's um, kind of work ethic. They being uh, at a master level, you would think they have people knocking down their door to get in with them, but they didn't. They had a lot of gaps, a lot of openings, which shouldn't be the case. They, during education, started showing up and not really being engaged, never, never applying the new techniques. So we were even scared to give this particular person anybody new wanting like a new hair painting trend. We were a little nervous if we could even trust that. And we got to a point where we um, just kind of decided like some people outgrow us and sometimes we outgrow people and we had to remove them from the team. And this has never affected our financials. This has empowered the group to rise up and we can have, sometimes we're afraid as owners, like a psychological thing. Like we have 17 stylists. I never want to have less than that. Like you always want more, 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 more. And so if you, you fear like what'll happen if I remove some of these team members, but the truth is when you're crafting your very best team, now you create state champions. I'll call it or province, you know, it's like you're creating this incredible, powerful team that the synergy is where it needs to be at. Everybody works incredibly well together. When you have people that um, other team members look up to, they will rise to wanting to be as good as them to perform as well as they do. And it empowers everybody around them. But on the flip side, if you have people who should be like master level, if somebody people look up to, if they don't really represent the best about your brand, 
then you are at risk for having a negative influence on the new talent coming in. I would say the same is true. Like, let's say you, you get an opportunity to visit a beauty school. Are you sending people who are really going to attract the type of new talent that you would love to join your salon? And I would just think about those things all the time. It's like having a garden. If you don't weed your garden, then the weeds will eventually take over and you will not have a beautiful, wonderful garden. Um, sometimes it's not a matter of completely removing the weeds. Like in this case, we had to kind of part ways with that particular stylist. But there needs to be some conversations. There needs to be some willingness to change, a mindset shift. And you have to be really protective. You can think of it as culture, but that's a part of like the most important ingredient for building your best team. And that doesn't mean you have to have 20 stylists or 30 stylists. It could be 12 stylists, but you are a seven-figure salon with a 20% profit margin. Boom, you are winning and doing everything beautifully. And that is the true mark of, of what I would encourage you to look at versus we have 20 styles that feels good to my ego. And it really shouldn't be like that. Absolutely. Especially when you're in the situation where you have 20 stylists and you're at, you know, 4% profitability, that's not where you want to be. So yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think too, if you're listening to this and there was a team member that kind of popped in your head as Katie was telling that story, I think that, you know, it might be time to take a bit of a look in the mirror at your own team and see how your own team is doing. And definitely, you know, in the case with that senior team member, like you were mentioning, it's not a zero to like you're fired the next day. I'm sure there's conversations that happened in between there, you know, trying to see if that engagement could be reactivated, if that person was even interested in continuing be on as being a part of that team. Because to me, when somebody's exhibiting those behaviors, that just seems like they're very checked out and they're not actually interested in being part of the business anymore. Yeah. And for me, for us, that was an eight month process, eight months. You know, we think about somebody new coming from the, you know, fresh out of beauty school, joining our team and how much we're willing to invest financially into their education and training and whatnot. Well, we do the same for our high level stylists. So when we saw that this, there was a gap in this situation with our master stylist, we actually, during their um, own gaps on their schedule, we said, Hey, this is a tough season let's have you during your gaps actually clock in at an hourly rate to shadow. And we had them shadowing people at a lower level than they were who were just killing it, right? And give them the opportunity to see new ways about going about services, communication, retail sales. And still there was not a willingness to rise. And so you're right. It's, it's not this overnight thing, but I think it's important that we don't get stuck in denial because I do think that as owners, because we have such big hearts and we love the people part of it, we sometimes can get in a little denial on how that is truly affecting our business, our team, and our bottom line. Absolutely. Every piece has to work together to enable you to have that best team. Thank you so much for joining us today, Katie. I really enjoyed our conversation. Before I let you go, um, I want you to shout out where people can find you. Uh, go to joinmaya.com. It's joinmya.com. And you can reach out to me directly at katie at joinmaya.com. And my name is spelled K-A-T-I.
I hope to connect with you. Thank you so much, Naomi. You're very welcome. And all of Katie's details are going to be in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening. Make sure you leave us a review, share with your team, and tune in for the next episode.